Hello world, how is your week going? How you doing? How you feeling? We had a good week, we had a good weekend coming off one of the most boring Super Bowls ever. Brady solidifying himself as the GOAT. Getting way too drunk in public. Drunk Brady is a vibe. With the knee brace on, with cargo shorts. Um, I'm sure he was kissing his son. On the boat. Because of the implication. Gronk balled out. Mahomes really got no help from his O-line. That was a weak spot all year. Against that front, it was just a weakness. Against a hyper strength for that Bucks, for that Bucks team. Uh, Arians, congrats to him. He's like 88 years old. He's going to go out like Corrado Soprano. Love the guy, really do. Byron Leftwich should get a job. Brady will get extended. Mike Evans is coming back. This team will be annoying, especially for a fan of an NFC team. Halftime show, I saw boomers. Boomers all over the place. Boomers left, boomers right. Every single boomer didn't like it. They're like, oh, the sound was weird. And, you know, maybe it was. I had been drinking. Compounded with that, I don't care. It's better than having the Who on for the fourth time or Bruce Springsteen for the seventh time. How many, you know, radio nickelback, look at this photograph type people have they had at the halftime show? I'm over it. Give me something that has some, you know, a little a little vibe to it. For those asking, it was Bubba Jones, my dog's birthday this week. He is two. Shouts out the boy. Poor little out. You know, he, he's grown up before our eyes. Hasn't grown an inch because he... uh he has gotten a little thicker, but I prefer him that way, and so does his mother. So, and honestly, while I've been recording this, he's in the room. He's he's laying down, and it's it's inspired me. You know, it's beautiful. It's very pure. Even though I know, pretty soon after, he will make a mess on the carpet in this very room. I will squash the idea that the refs really handed this game to Brady. You know, quickly moving off the Super Bowl. Mahomes overall had a lower passer rating than Rex Grossman did in the Chicago Bears Super Bowl of 2006. Rex Grossman, you're listening to his name. You think, wow, sounds like a janitor. That's what he was. He was a janitor playing quarterback. He was terrible. So in in general, that whole offensive unit led by Mahomes really, it was just at a loss. They couldn't protect him. They couldn't Uh, allow the routes to develop down the field. So overall, super fucking boring. I saw a tweet from Dan Dakish, uh, at Dan Dakish, blue check mark. So inherently I don't like him. However, trusted source. Quote, starting to hear more and more about Matt Ryan to the Colts. So I wanted to touch on this. I absolutely love this idea. I think similar to the Bucks, the the Colts kind of have the same structure for their roster. Good defense, Good scheme, young guys on the back end. Um, they might have given up a lot of capital, whether it's in cap space or draft capital. So in a way that they have to, in Tampa, they've had to pay that front. You see Indianapolis brought in Buckner, pick plus they gave him an extension, getting a lot of that money to to solidify that front and be a top 12 defense from a personnel sense. Offensively, great play caller you could argue Frank Reich you know top three 
top five play caller. Um, I see a lot of ancillary weapons on their team be successful. Mo Ali Cox at tight end, Naheem Hines at running back, every receiver, right? Pascal, a lot of the guys that you didn't expect to be successful. They drafted Paris Campbell in the second round out of Ohio State. He hasn't done shit. So it's been all these weirdo guys. I think guys that just showed up on a tryout, a lot of undrafted people that have been successful. So, you know, getting back to them mirroring Tampa Bay, they just need a Brady type to come in and solidify it in a way that they had with Phillip Rivers. Although everybody knows Phillip Rivers was washed and he still almost beat that Buffalo team. I think getting Matt Ryan, who is way fucking better than P. Rivers was at this point in their careers, would help them. They wouldn't need to do a one-to-one year rental. You could even extend Matt Ryan, right? He's playing in a dome still. He's relatively healthy. He's got that Brady complex where he gets down. He doesn't allow himself to get hit a lot. I can see him playing three, four, five years there and really reigniting that franchise to be what it was when uh, the old Sheriff was there, old Sheriff HGH neck, Peyton Manning. I'm a hypothetical person. I hate Tom Brady. I don't like the way he kisses his grown children. Seems to take pleasure in it. I don't want to see him win another ship. I know he's the GOAT. We all do. Let's move on. What can I look forward to? Well, the good news is that a lot of the team is going to be free agents. Uh, Chris Godwin, who led the NFL in yards after contact as receiver over the past two seasons, he's a stud. Guy's a stud. He gave up his number 12 for Tommy. I wouldn't have done that, but he did what he had to do. Uh, He's a free agent. A lot of guys on that front, Sue, JPP, Shaq, uh, Barrett, all those guys are potentially on the move, which means it's hard for them, you know, to repeat. And they're going to be lax. You know Bruce Arians is doing bumps right now. You know this time by next year he's going to be nine pounds heavier, probably three shades tanner, two more DUIs, and then he's got one more year in his contract. He's going to ride off into the sunset with his mediocre wife and retire in golf. And that's what he should do. Um, I am surprised uh, that offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich got no offers. I thought he should have got offers before this, you know, before the run in the playoffs here. Mind you, they, this uh, this Buccaneer team was seven and five. Wow, Bubba. He's two years old now, I think. Yeah. But uh, mind you, this team was seven and five, lost to the Rams with Jared Goff, who might have autism. Okay, and uh, they proceeded to win everything else and win a ship. Considering that the quarterback traditionally has the most sense on the field, you look at Byron's stats at Marshall in college right at the turn of the millennia in 2000. He was throwing for like 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns. Wikipedia, that shit. Came into the NFL as a first-round pick, right? Had some success, had some injuries fizzled out, but stayed as a coach. You know, he's with Tom Brady, understands that work ethic, and was really successful with him. Tom statistically had a great season, was able to really push the ball down the field, uh, which is something that you didn't see in New England. That boring, dink and dunk bullshit didn't exist in Tampa. So I do think that hopefully somebody reconsiders, and I think by this time next year you're going to see Byron Leftwich in a head coaching position. Now here's where you get worried if you're a team that's going to benefit from one of these residual Carson Wentz trades. You're waiting on him to move. Maybe you like the team that he's going to. Maybe you hate him and you want to see him gone. But here's an issue if if you're for the Eagles and you're for Wentz and you're in that camp is per today there's a rumors 
that the Bears are, if they cannot get Wentz, who is also supposedly tied to the to the Colts, but if I'm the Colts and they ask for anything but a second-round pick, I'm telling them to pound rocks, and I'm just going to go give what I need to give to Atlanta in that new regime who isn't going to want to be tied to a, like a 33-year-old Matt Ryan with an ugly wife and get what you can, give what you can to bring Matt Ryan in and have him close his career out there in that dome. I think if you played outside, it's different. Right, Matt Ryan, isn't he's a finesse guy, but I do see that working. So if you're the Bears and you're a really stupid GM, right, close your eyes, you're Ryan Pace, you're in a wonderful office, mahogany desk, really nice windows. Your head, what's inside it? Nothing. You're really stupid. What do you give the Eagles for Carson Wentz? And at a certain point, I think Howie Roseman, being the negotiator that he is, drives you to a certain point where you have to assess what are your other options. Is it Russell Wilson? Probably not. I don't think that you have the capacity or the capital to do that. And I think, secondly, I don't think Ryan Pace has the IQ to pull that off. Thirdly, I think if they do pull it off, it strips the team to such a point that Russell Wilson's in the exact same situation he was in in Seattle, except pot isn't legal and it's windy all the time. And the pizza's a lot thicker. I don't know. I've never been to Chicago. Have you been to Chicago? Yeah. I don't know anyone that's been to Chicago. Me and my homies, we don't bangs with Chicago. So getting back on track, um, the Bears are tied to to, uh, to Gardner Minshew. Now, this is what the what I wanted the Rams to do before they got Matt Stafford. I wanted them to potentially trade for a not give up a ton of assets and get a mid tier guy that's undervalued. And who is that to me? That's Gardner Minshew. The injury that he was on IR with this year was was bullshit. It was because the Jags were tanking and because Gardner Minshew is actually an accurate an accurate quarterback and a really good leader. And a good player. He's mobile. He's accurate. He's cerebral. I remember listening to an interview with Phil Savage, director of the Senior Bowl down there in Alabama, and he talked about the year that Gardner Minshew was a draftee, and he was a senior, and he was down there with Washington State and Mike Leach, that he was the most impressive quarterback he'd come across in a long time. He, he got to the facility early. He asked for like receiver phone numbers so he could text them and get on the same page with them just because they were going to be down there training together for that one week. So I've always loved him, right? I mean, the the mullet, the mustache, you know, I'd let him bang, you know, he, he could, he can do what he wants. He's a good guy. Nice truck, solid quads. And again, good leader and he's accurate and he's young. Gardner Minshew is 25. So is he? Guys, I made that up. Let's see how old he is. He's 24. He turns 25 in May. You're dealing with the Bears who have the dumbest GM in the league. So we'll see. Supposedly, the asking price for Wentz is getting to the point where it's ridiculously high. So it's going to be nut up or shut up. I feel like at this point in the negotiation, we have less than a week. I think in the next 72 hours, something's going to happen. I saw things tied to players, right? So Wentz for Tariq Cohen and uh, Roquan Smith potentially. I think if if that's on the table, you have to do it. I think doing something similar to what the Rams did and getting out of that Jared Goff contract where you have to compensate that other party 
That's a similar situation. Wentz is terrible. He is so bad that getting anything for him, letting those dummies in that front office in Chicago give you anything to compensate you for his services and take that contract is totally worth it. And if you're Howie, you have to meet them halfway eventually and get that done. And I think that does happen. Oh, oh, yep. My dog's rubbing his asshole on the carpet. What did I tell you? Usually a nine to 10 minute window without supervision where that's going to happen. And it happened. But he's the birthday boy. I also wanted to touch on, you know, a little bit, a little bit of a different rumor. Different division, different player, but Russell Wilson, a lot of grumblings that he is upset by uh, what's going on, specifically, you know, tied to his role in the front office, his ability to have a say on personnel, on who they're bringing in from a philosophical sense, protecting himself, right? He got paid. He has a family now, you know, future, obviously, is a goat in a similar sense, and and, he, and he's cooler, right? Um, so he's frustrated, Quote from Russell Wilson, I love playing for Seattle. Loved it for years. You just never want to get hit. I've been sacked more almost 400 times. We've got to get better. I've got to get better. I'm frustrated with getting hit too much, unquote. That's the truth. I think ever since he's been there, they've kind of allowed the let Russ cook meme to become way more than what it should be. And the fact that they're so ride or die dependent on him that I mean, even traditionally, there's a good faith sense from the front office that when they do that for players, they at least protect them. That's at least contingent on them providing a good offensive line. You know, considering that, I still think he's top five guy, top three, top five MVP candidate every year when he gets hot. Um, I would love to see him get the fuck out of Seattle as a Rams fan. Pack it up and leave, dude. Um, Now, Russell Wilson, I did see was... And did have a lot of input on the new offensive coordinator hire there. They did fire Brian Schottenheimer after the season, despite him having an overall top 12 offense in both yards and points. Um, They ended up hiring Ram coordinator Shane uh, and former tight ends coach Shane Waldron. Um, He was passing game coordinator under McVay. Obviously, with the Rams, you're not calling plays, bro. Period. So a lot of guys are quick to jump. Matt LaFleur did it where they'll get a equitable title. They'll get a, it could be a lateral move in a sense of their title, but they're going to be able to have ownership on that offense and call plays. I, w- I wasn't a big believer in LaFleur. That guy's a marble mouth, but he's won, I don't know, almost 30 games in two seasons. So I kind of look like a retard. Also confirmed Cam Newton is out. In New England, they went seven and nine. Considering that team went seven and nine, I think a lot of people Bill Belichick should have won coach of the year. That team was dog shit. I mean, they had like D two white guys in the slot traditionally out on the boundary for them, playing cornerback. Like Matt Slater was playing linebacker. Like this team was bad. Is Cam Newton done? I want to say no. He has been linked to Washington and Ron Rivera, and I do think it's a good story. Well, let's look up Cam Newton's statistics because are they as bad? I mean, what happened this year, you know? Is he really washed? So over the he completed so last season he went seven and eight with New England. He missed one game. 
he can run. I mean, bro, I would play tight end. Like I'm all about him transitioning to tight end. I think that's where his NFL career should go because at this point, I don't want him throwing the ball, but his potential from an IQ sense of him in the middle of the field, him catching the ball and what he can do with it after the fact. Um, he did run the ball successfully this year. So I think he should be a tight end or some kind of wildcat guy. I would bring him in. The issue is he's too talented. He's too big of a voice. And I think he gets paid too much to come in and just be a backup. I don't necessarily see him doing that. The two names that are tied to New England. So if you're like, oh my God, who are we going to get? Andy Dalton and Ryan Fitzpatrick, accordingly, are tied to New England. It would be poetic if Fitzy was there. That basically puts him at three. Actually, that puts him at all four AFC East teams being played for. He played for Miami this past season. He was with the Jets when he had that ugly cut on his on the bridge of his nose and they faltered and went 10 and 6 with Bulls early on and couldn't get it done. So right he played with the Jets. Played with the Bills back in the day with Chan Gailey. Um that's when I was in high school. They were fun to watch Stevie Johnson, Fred Jackson, but they were terrible. And then potentially now if he can go to the Patriots. I think that's good. I think that means God's real. If that happens, I think my faith is restored. And, uh, you know, I might donate to a charity. Let's just go through sport Twitter. At NFL Rumors and News, DeAndre Baker, first-round pick of the Giants. The Chiefs gave him a futures contract. He blew out his knee or his femur. Something on the leg. I didn't take bio in college. I took meteorology, so ask me what's good with the weather. I can help you out. Another rumor here, the Bengals are looking to spend money to get an established person on that offensive line, right? Similar to, I mean, in a lot of ways, what young teams need to do around a young quarterback like Burrow is you got to protect him. Don't do what you're seeing with Russell Wilson. Don't do what happened to Andrew Luck, where my guy's putting a gun in his mouth at 27, despite having 100 mil. You know, it's, it's, and, and from a head perspective, I'm sure every NFL player is CTE and, you know, and they'll be eaten. They put the milk in before the cereal. Let's just say that. Um, but you know, it's never good. You have to protect them. So they're looking to spend money to get an established veteran and they're going to be targeting a weapon early in the draft. It looks like Devonta Smith or Kyle Pitts. Now a tight end in the top 10 a lot of people cringe and think of Eric Ebron. Um, he has bounced around, but he's been relatively successful when healthy. He's made a Pro Bowl. To me, Pitts honestly has kind of a dynamic dynamicism. Is that a word? Dynamicism. He's dynamic, um, and and he reminds me of Vernon Davis coming out to where he can immediately get you 40, 50 catches, stretch the middle of the field, and be good after the catch. A lot of tight ends can block in line and they can move and maybe they have good hands, but it's really what they can do after the catch. You know, when stuff breaks down, what isn't scripted, Travis Kelsey, these guys that can just run through blockers, Kittle, by the way, Kittle is the weirdest player in the NFL. His tats are, they're bad. They're like gas station tattoos and that shit's, it's whack. I'm not with it. A lot of things going on. A lot of people are dying. Therese, pa- Therese Paler. I feel like that's a spoonerism and I'm saying that wrong. I want to say Perez Taylor, but it's Therese Paler passed away. The Chiefs are getting hit hard here. Eagles news. 
they're looking after Sirianni comes over from Indianapolis to pair a stud in Booby Sanders with Marlon Mack. Uh, Marlon Mack got hurt again this year. His knees are paper, but when he's healthy, he can run for 11, 1200 yards. He has sub 4-4 speed, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. That one-two punch would really elevate that offense, and it's something they were looking for. And something in Philly that's been missing for a while, even when they've been successful running the football with a Brian Westbrook, with someone similar to Booby or LaShawn McCoy, they rarely had somebody that could come in and alleviate properly, not be a total bum, and uh, and help out and split carries. So i love to see that. Lastly, I'm just going to touch on a couple things. One, Marcus Mariota is alive. He does have a pulse. And he's on the Raiders. And he's under contract. So some teams are reaching out to them. They're trying to move him. The Raiders are an absolute mess. They literally play Madden. They have like eight first-round picks. All of them are terrible. They cut guys that they just signed. They trade guys that they just they just brought in. Like Marcus Mariota moved, right? He was in Nashville. He moved all the way out to Vegas, like bought a house. Like his dog is there. He has a routine. You know, he gets gas. He, he goes to the grocery store. And then 10 months later, they trade him to potentially New England is who he's tied to. So I also want to see him be successful. He's mobile. He's fun. He's accurate. And he really was kind of, he had opportunities in Tennessee, but I just think that Mike Vrabel knew he wasn't the guy and did everything in his power to make him not be that guy. So I would like to see him somewhere new. And that appears to be what's going to happen. Uh, Golden Tate is going to get cut. Um, apparently they're also going to cut Sterling Shepard. Both of them have been underachievers. The Giants are a weird team, well coached. Um, I do see them trending upward. Obviously, Gettleman is still the GM, so I don't know. You know, if you're looking at a graph, the variance on how vertically they're going to incline and how how well they're going to do and how successful they're going to be, I don't know how soon it's going to come, but it will come. It's just with Gettleman at the helm, time will tell. What is going on with New York governors? Um, I think I've been blessed enough to have recently lived through Elliot Spitzer. If you guys remember him, he was uh, finger-popping prostitutes on Pearl Street. Um, they quickly replaced him with Patterson, that blind, the blind governor who was signing bills that he could not read nor understand. I guess in certain senses, it's been better. There's been some stability. But I think if you live in New York, you've seen kind of the slow progression of this man turn into a psychopath. Um, Fredo over here has been accused of lying this past week and covering up the total amounts of deaths in nursing homes that happened in New York. I don't necessarily think that this is... uh, Fredo's kind of a piece of shit... And I think that uh, you have people like the the Attorney General for New York, who is a liberal, calling him out. Um, hopefully we see something from this. I think it's a good step in the right direction for our political machine to be calling out people who are actually doing fucked up things. Um, you know, we're not off in, in fairyland talking about Russian voting machines and, um, you know, QAnon stuff, which is fun. But I think it's good when something's actually on point. We have evidence. People on the left have, have talked about Cuomo and the potential issues that this has brought on. And I don't think he can avoid it. And I think it's spot on. So hopefully we'll see some stuff from this. 
you know, he gets uh, he gets the good old Spitzer treatment and gets thrown to the curb. Now, it wasn't specifically Cuomo who got caught for, you know, he didn't get caught in a lie. He wasn't talking to somebody, talked out the corner of his mouth. Actually, we have 4,000 more Gam Gams that we're hiding. That didn't happen. What did happen, though, is his aide, um, she specifically was in a call that was recorded, and she talked about how the the officials that were in charge of kind of allocating these these COVID patients or people that were tested positive early on in the process, that they froze, that they were overwhelmed, and that they didn't know what to do, and that they sent these sick people back into those nursing homes. Um, so from this, that's where a lot of this hot water has come from. Now, I don't know about y'all, but Cuomo is piping that chick. The way that they look at each other at these at these uh, at these press conferences, the working relationship that they had. This aide's father is one of, if not the biggest lobbyist in Albany County. Um, you know, it's all connected, right? It's all kind of coming together here. So I'll keep an eye on that for y'all. But I thought that was super interesting. Obviously, New York is going to be three for three now with potentially just absolutely incompetent boobs. Who are running this, uh, running our state. Lucky us. Bro, this from the New York Post on Twitter. Quote, Florida man stole girlfriend's ring to propose to second girlfriend cops. Say, unquote. Florida man out here working double time. If you're not appreciative of this, ladies, I don't know what to tell you. Because that is the type of care, you know, thoughtfulness. That's what you're looking for. It shows that somebody is listening and he's willing to spend the money to get you what you want. I thought that was that really touched it really touched my heart. Dude, where is Caesar Milan when you need the kid? My dog, who is a very good boy, in the past 14 hours has just he's had a field day on my rug. I mean every type of liquid, every type of bodily, you know, function, outcome, viscous material has ended up on the carpet. So if any of y'all have new dogs out there, you're new to the dog life, you know, you haven't even taken your dog for a hike yet and posted about it on Facebook, just be prepared because I treat this boy so good. He is my baby and he just, in return, he just gifts me nothing but poops. And if you're willing to get your heart broken like that, then get a dog. And honestly, I feel more fulfilled than ever. Me and your girl, excuse me, me and my girl, we watched the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez docuseries, miniseries, whatever, on Netflix this past week. It was so good. Um, Being a millennial, being a young, virile, handsome young boy. This is before my time. Uh, he did a lot of the killings in uh, 1984. So peak cocaine, peak Zumba pants, peak Van Halen, I think. Cool vibes. And uh, while this was going on during the summertime in Glendale, in Los Angeles, the greater Southern California area, Richard Ramirez was running around. He was killing people, doing a little, uh, doing a little kill. Well, killing. Again, this was something we get taught about, you hear about, but the veracity of it and how grounded it was, how scary it was for those people in that community. I think the uh, the show did a great job of capturing that. 
Um, the guy smelled like a goat. His teeth were terrible. And the idea of this gangly man hiding behind your kitchen island with a serrated knife, it really got me going. And it actually allowed me to watch a show in its entirety without being distracted, without requesting some type of, uh, you know, some type of inebriation to get me through it. It was good. And I think also it spawned another conversation that I had where some of these serial killers are so incredibly talented, violent, they hit a lot of highs. But in other aspects, they're so fucking stupid. So Ramirez, if you don't know, he he roughly killed, slashed. He was a sadist, so he was into kind of tying sex with violence. And for him, he got his rocks off hurting people. So there was not a consistency. There was not an MO. There was no rhyme or reason to these crimes that were happening. So it rightfully justified a lot of the fear in the area. Everybody was on notice. Despite that, they still couldn't get this guy, right? It's 1980s. The detective, the hairy arm detective, he's hungover, right? He's Irish, he's drunk, stumbling around, always a step behind. But this, this boob, Richard Ramirez, murdered everybody with the same pair of shoes on. These avia runners that were so ugly, everybody knew it was this guy because no one else would wear them. You can't do your dirty in some forces. You know, you can't fuck around, slash a few wrists, cut off a few heads in some Reeboks. So the aspect where these people are so prolific in some aspects, he got he got away with this for so long. They were so violent. He was so successful. And he just couldn't change his shoes. Like my guy, go get some, go get some, uh, you know, a little bit of the easy runners. Nice little boost in the midsole there. Good for your back. A lot of the violent movements you'd be doing when you're smashing somebody's grandmother's face into a into a wall. But yeah, my guy, all you needed to do was just change your shoes. If you're listening to this right now and you're halfway through your third murder in your second state, bro, go to Keds, go pick up, go pick up some Skechers, and then get after it because you're gonna be fine. Very interesting. It's going to be on your trending page on Netflix. Just fucking watch it so you know what I'm talking about. Also, my guy had a wife, Doreen Loy. He was apprehended in 85, right up until 2013 when he died. He got murdered, got the chair. But Ramirez was still getting, he was getting some coitus. He was getting that poon. He was getting that hot ass, that prison poon from Doreen. From 96 up until he died, he had a wife. Now just Google Richard Ramirez and look at his face and then come back to me. And let me know if you think Doreen is a normal person. Also, if you were, if you're a dude, you've probably had this thought process where it's like, man, I could, I could do that. I could get away with that. You can't. DNA is a thing. And even back in the day, right, this guy, no DNA, officers filled with cocaine, alcohol, and other nefarious distractions, they still eventually got him. And this actually reminds me, keeping with the whole murder vibe that we got going on here, 
Um, reminds me of a story my father told me. Uh, my family growing up on my father's side was from Maine. Kind of did the whole white picket fence thing up there in Maine. If you've never been to Maine, it's beautiful. York Beach. Let's get after it. We'll have a beer. So my dad, my grampy, right? Nuclear family up in Maine. This was in, let's say, late 70s, early 80s, mainly late 70s. Um, my dad was an Eagle Scout, which I've made fun of him for. But back in the day, it was it was just kind of what you did. You know, you learned some industrious skills, stuff for the outdoors, stuff uh, relating to helping someone in a medical situation. And more overall, like I said, life skills. And my grampy would carpool. He would bring my my uh, my dad to the Eagle Scouts thing. It would be a good little dad he was, right? Being there, being active, being dependable. Um, and on the way there, my my uh, my grampy would pick up one of my dad's friends. Let's just call him John. Uh, dad was out of the picture. Mom was working. She was a nurse. So when my grampy could help and pick up this kid that my dad was friends with, they'd bring them both to Eagle Scouts. Boom, pretty simple. This happens a lot. Alex, why are you telling this fucking boring story? Well, the reason I'm telling you is because that kid that my dad was friends with in Eagle Scouts went on to be one of Maine's most prolific serial killers. He ended up stabbing and, and hurting people on on jogging trails in Maine. So growing up, I think understanding that context and how cool that story was um, kind of led me to being so interested into this Richard Ramirez documentary. And it's it's kind of scary how close, in some senses, you can be to some pure evil like that or something that's analogous to it or, or just as similar. So I, I thought that was really interesting. And uh, that guy went on to get caught, and I think he killed himself like a little bitch. So all's right in the world. Shouts out me Padre for being an absolute savage stud to ride around in a station wagon with a serial killer. If you guys want to Google this, you want to Wikipedia it, you don't think I'm telling the truth. Uh, the guy's name was John Joseph Jubert. It's going to come up with a mugshot. I will say he has great hair, but not not good enough for me to look past the whole murdering and the stabbing and the strangling. And it also says he bit his uh, his victim. So awesome story. Really to have my genetic gene pool that close to pure evil. To have my grampy, such a good guy, just driving around after work. Couldn't wait to get home and get a whiskey. He's got a serial killer in the car. So I just thought that would be cool to share with y'all. But yeah, shouts out my family. Shouts out my gene pool for just being studs. Mandalorian actress and overall fringe butch woman. Carano, Gina Carano, the guinea girl from The Mandalorian on Disney Plus has been canceled. Um, she put out some ham-handed right-wing tweets Disney feigns like they allow their employees the ability to have freedom of thought, diversity of ideas. They really don't. Um, and I just wanted to touch on this really quick because I don't think you care. I really don't care. I should. But we're also numb to it with the censorship that's going on in today's world, especially online, that it's kind of par for the course. Um, she's talented. People that I love, love the Mandalorian. I don't. Baby Yoda's adorable. She's going to land on her feet. Disney's going to continue to act like they're doing the right thing. Corporations simultaneously will pitch to you that they have our best interests at heart. 
but I'm sure a lot of you saw this on Twitter. She has been canceled. I think we're going to continue to see the picking and choosing moving forward about what speech they deem dangerous and what they don't want us to see, think about, and analyze. So more uh, more of the same here online, I think, this past week. So I just wanted to touch on that quickly. Company Salesforce. Upper management came out yesterday to The Verge and said that uh, their nine to five workday is dead, quote, and they will let employees work remotely indefinitely. I am so fucking happy about this. If you're listening to this in an office that's stuffy, it's got that weird geometric carpet that you know somebody's blood has been on. A hit was put out on that carpet in 89. You got those big medical gray depressing cubes. Hopefully that's not what's going to be the way of the world moving forward if you do have a day job. Um, The company is going to join other tech firms like Facebook and Microsoft who have announced permanent work from home policies in response to coronavirus. I think this was the natural evolution to kind of push the archaic sense of having everybody breathing, coughing, wheezing on each other in a communal space. Um, It's not 97 anymore, right? I think, you know, Deborah, everyone got your email. It's so connected nowadays that you don't necessarily need that face-to-face interaction. If you're a small business, LLC, you're even an entry-level employee, you're probably going to get a monitor, you're probably going to get a webcam, and you're going to be able to, to be set up from home in a sense that might be better than what you had in the office. I also think from a business owner's perspective, it keeps costs down, right? The bloated overhead of keeping the lights on in this office building when you can just, again give a Chromebook and a webcam to all of your marketing team. They're paying rent already. They got the snacks in the fridge already. All you got to do is provide the VPN. It's so much more low cost. In the end, us as workers might be getting fucked over more. Um, I read a study that said that people on average are working 48 more minutes than they were if you're in the office. And I think you not being face-to-face with your superior, with your boss, with your team lead, kind of puts you on the spot to be on the clock a lot more often, where if there is an issue that comes in at 5.09, you're going to have to take care of it because you're there and there's no excuse. Whereas opposed to when you're in the office, oh, I popped out at 4.57. Oh my God, someone double parked in my spot. Let me get into a verbal altercation in the parking lot and let me go home. You're in and out. You don't have to deal with that. Quote, an immersive workspace is no longer limited to a desk in our towers. The nine to five workday is dead and the employee experience is more about ping pong tables and snacks, writes Brent Hyder, Salesforce chief people officer, CPO. That is a fake position. Dude, I got to get one of those C whatever O's. CVO? Chief volume officer? Part of me wants to make a parallel and very fake LinkedIn account and populate it with just a fever dream of autistic qualifications and see how far I can get in the professional world. So look out for that. That is coming. Researchers have found that layering a cloth mask over a medical procedural mask can block 92.5% of potentially infectious particles, blah, blah, blah. I really feel like we're in a parody where this is a not the onion article or a Babylon B article, but it's but it's not, right? It's it's not funny. Somebody that gets criminally underpaid wrote this and posted it, and it's legit on CNN's account. 
yeah, obviously more masks are better. If I put a fucking plastic bag on my head and and duct tied it to make sure that no air got in, that would probably be a little bit more uh, effective as well. And why stop there? Why don't I just kill myself? 100%. You know how I block 100% of infectious particles from escaping or potentially infecting me, myself, my respiratory system? I kill myself. Eat a bullet. We're six months away where if this continues to be mismanaged, where things aren't opened up, Biden doesn't have a plan, his eye is bleeding again, they're going to start suggesting you just kill yourself. And I think it'll be funny. If you want to do two masks, God bless you. Honestly, like I have an elderly grandma. You're a good person. You know, I owe you an edible arrangement. But for everybody else, if you don't have the shit and you're fine, do what you want to do and what you feel is comfortable for you and your family. I also think, quick shout out to your ears, because I don't know about y'all, but if that mask has any type of tensile like pull and it pulls on my ears, I get so triggered by that. And I'm looking at this CNN, the photo here, guys, with the two masks on. My boy's ear is folded in on itself. It's being pulled so hard. I see politicians too, like Buttigieg, just really anybody, Biden. And they have these masks, they have like seven masks on in their ear. It's like, bro, do you not, it hurts your ear, dude. So shouts out to everybody's ear and uh, do what you want and what you feel is safe at the end of the day. One of the last topics I wanted to touch on was my boy Kodak, free Kodak, hashtag sniper gang. If you're like me, you obviously know that this man, we don't deserve him. He wears a lot of hats. He's a philosopher. He's a lyricist. He's a poet. He's a father. He's a protector, a provider. But in all seriousness, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of funny in today's society that one of the last people I would expect to come through for people in need would be a convicted felon with face tats who raps about, you know, double cups and, and big old booties. But uh, NBC News this past, this past week came out with a report that Kodak Black has offered to pay the college tuition for the children of the two FBI agents who were fatally shot while serving a search warrant at a home in Sunrise, Florida. So Kodak is a Florida boy through and through. Love to see that loyalty. I love to see that there's people out there who might have every excuse in the book to not come through for other people. Um, And he is. And then lastly, it's just super thoughtful. With the 24-hour news cycle, we pass over things that we shouldn't so quickly. Um, Literally last week, a couple of uh, FBI agents were murdered in cold blood. And, you know, Trump tweeted something the next day or Melania set up a new Twitter account the next day and we move off it. So for Kodak to be the guy to buck that trend, to come through, I think it's awesome. And I'll follow the story. Hopefully he ends up actually doing it because I have more faith in uh, in Kodak to fulfill the needs of an electorate or some people in need than I do for the public servants that we voted in there. All right, gang. A uh, quick little outro wrap up uh, this week. Maybe the day this goes up, I'll be streaming on Twitch. You boys going to be bumbling around. I'll be lit. Come hang out, donate, you know, donate enough. I'll show my breasts. 
Secondly, I'm going to be doing a mock draft pod with my boy Matt, degenerate gambler, just good guy. So look out for that as well. Again, if you're listening to this at this point, I do. I do love you. I really do. And my dog does too. So thank you. And I'll be seeing you. Peace. Thank you.